Spanking rights. Spanking rights. Wow, we are a terrible <laughs> acapella group. All right, we tried our darndest. No, no, but no, we missed our calling as an acapella group. <laughs> no, we, we, that we was even have. better than I thought it was going to be. We should have done all the competitions. Anyway, welcome to Spanking Rights. We are not an acapella quartet. We are a lovable not misfit, not yet, lovable group of silly spanksters. 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 And uh, today we figured we'd, uh, it is a sports and relationships podcast. We figured, hey, what are some of our favorite personal sports moments? I mean, it could be you personally. Maybe it could be some of your favorite teams, sports moments, however you want to define that. And then uh, see where it goes from there. And then maybe favorite moments in our current relationships, things that are defining, defining, momentum building, kinky. I don't know. Moments. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see where this conversation goes. Moments that increase the flow. Yes. But anywho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can take that any way you want. Any way <laughs> you want. We thank you for listening to us. And before we get this train rolling, uh, we want to connect with you on the social medias and the internets. The, there's a, that's a great thing out there, those internets. I've yeah. heard of that internet. Heard of them, right? Weird. I feel like it's been around for a little while, but It's I'm just a fad. Sure. It's going away soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. But <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Spanking Rights. Um, please look us up. And also, if you can like and comment on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that helps increase our standing, helps us get to new uh, listeners, and helps us get in front of more people. So hopefully we can keep bringing you content like this. So leave a comment. I mean, that leave, was horrifying. Leave, leave a comment just for that. I feel like that alone was worth the, that was worth the price of admission right there. The that little, was five stars. The little gremlin that came out of adorable little Izzy over there. <laughs> I mean, you didn't think that noise would happen. You you have forced me to work on my voices, scary and other. Batman, <laughs> do your Batman voice. <laughs> Pewter. I've got chills. Pewter. I love how you went to the Le- I love how you went to the Lego Batman version. Like, hey, Pewter. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about sports a little bit. And uh, Joe, we're gonna. I'm like you're to my right. We'll go counterclockwise from my direction. I guess all directions. It'd be the same direction in a circle, no matter what. Joseph, uh, you, we're gonna let you uh, brag a bit about some of your sport endeavors and some of your best moments. I would really like to know what some of your defining moments in your sports career have been. Whether that's like an achievement or I want to know why you chose volleyball. Oh, Ooh, wow. This oh, is a Joseph wow. interview. This is a Joseph <laughs> I actually don't know the story. answer to that, so I would really love to know why you picked volleyball. Story time. Joseph okay. story time. Joseph, where jo- Joseph. Where did the legend of Jumpin' Joe come from? Let's just keep asking questions and not letting him answer at all. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Uh, I guess I guess for volleyball, I'd have to back up to when I was a basketball star at church basketball. Star? Yes, yes, I was a church basketball star. I think that's a loose term. He's allowed to be a star, okay? Shining well, star. I mean, I he's uh, my shining star. So I grew up uh, Mormon, and they they love basketball. <laughs> they love it. It is their their jam. Their, BYU, bre- their bread and butter. Yes, BYU usually makes the tournament. So yeah, usually uh, I guess even outside of official sports, it's just the sport that they love. And uh, so when I was a teenager, I would play basketball in our church basketball league. So your your church would play other churches in the area. 
And, I uh, love this like underground syndicate Mormon basketball <laughs> league where they're trying to get bragging rights over the other churches. Yes. Like that's amazing, <laughs> right? Uh, and so all my brothers actually played basketball in this, you know, underground Mormon uh, basketball league. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, my, my brothers are actually pretty good at basketball, uh, you know, back in the day. And uh, so my first, I think, key sports moment was, I think I was, I don't know, 13, 12, 13. And I could out jump anybody on that court. Oh. And so there was a game where uh, the rest of my team was terrible. They were not very good. And so I basically had to win the basketball game by myself. Uh, so I would shoot it up, and if I missed, I would just rebound it because they couldn't out-rebound me. Oh, wow. And uh, so I just dominated that day. Um, that day? This wasn't like a continuous thing? This so you were, one so day? You, you were Reggie Miller and Dennis Rodman at the same uh, at time? At the same time. <laughs> it was it was like that scene, where, or that moment with Reggie Miller where he scored like 12, 15 he, he points. Had, he had uh, eight points in like 13 seconds, yeah. I think, to beat the Knicks. Yep, Yep, just to win the game. So that was me. I was just throwing it up. If I miss it, I just put it right back. And Except Reggie yeah. Miller didn't miss in that stretch. But, right, yeah. But so anyway, that's missed. when you turned into Dennis Rodman for a yeah. moment. <laughs> so that's kind of what I learned that I could out-jump people um, just because physically, you know, at the time, just, you know, kind of physically dominant at that time. Just deal with it, people. Just deal with it. Uh, so... How I got into volleyball eventually is that I was going to what's called a singles ward or a singles group. Oh, and, singles ward for those crazy singles. Uh, but uh, so they. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? I'm yeah, sorry. I don't what know. Was that? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> like a psych ward. You, would, you like turn into a shock jack. They're like, oh, oh, you crazy. Oh, you crazy. <laughs> I was like, was I the only one that found that a little alarming? Like, it took us all emotional. That's why I kept just going on. It's like, so bad. So when I was about twenty, we started. My brother and I—he's the one that's just older than me—just started going to the singles group. Um, and so they'd have a little lesson on Mondays, and then they play volleyball afterwards. And um, as I would play, I kind of realized that I was one of the better players. And so I just kept playing, and I'd play with people who were better than me and start to get uh, more experience. And uh, so soon after that, I went on my mission. So I was actually gone for a couple of years. But when I came back um, and moved to Utah, I started playing uh, volleyball there as well. And found like myself. club, you mean? Or like uh, not, not yet. Not not, okay. Yeah, so not at that point. But um, so eventually I did start to play at the University of Utah because – I think a lot of people find this happens where you play kind of casual players and you realize you're probably the best player there. So you kind of, you're, so you, you aspire to be better. And so you look for more opportunities. And so I actually was walking around the university of Utah and they had a bunch of flyers about how the men's team was going to be getting together for club. And uh, it was, you know, to me, I, I didn't grow up playing. And so it was all new to me. And so they had tryouts and, um, the, the funny thing is, is that nobody wanted to be a middle hitter because it's a lot of work. Why does nobody want to be a middle? You get the most swings. Well, you have to jump on every single play. And, so and you spin just, around a lot. Yeah, That sounds amazing to me. I don't understand. Well, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you get the most touches that way. You get to touch the ball the most times. Are you saying you wanted to be a middle or you did not want to be a middle? Well, I wasn't good enough uh, to be the outside hitters. Um, and I wasn't a great setter at that point. And so after a while, you start playing a sport and then you realize, hey, like, 
I'm not as good as I thought I was. And so I was actually, uh, when I played at the club, a lot of the, like the first year or so, um, so they basically had an A and a B team and nobody wanted to play on the B team. They would rather sit and uh, hope to play on the A team rather than play on the B team. And for me, being a younger player, I just wanted to play uh, so much. So that's kind of where I, you know, started to learn and grow. Um, uh, but eventually I got to be the president of the of the club. So that's kind of where volleyball started to happen, if that makes sense. Was there a defining moment in that? Uh, there was a there was a game where I uh, we were we were down by like I don't know ten points or something like that, and I was able to serve a bunch and get a bunch of aces and get us back into the game, and everyone was just super excited about my ability to keep us you know get us back in the game and got excited and so it it was it was kind of a weird moment because I always felt like uh, before that that I was just the player that nobody wanted to play with. Like, I just wasn't good enough. Like, why are you here? What do you, like, you don't belong here. Um, but I felt like after that moment, I started to transition and started to believe more in myself. And so I, I think that's another key moment in, a, in an athlete's career is when, like, you always felt like you were good enough. But until you feel like other people start to buy in to that, it can be kind of difficult. You're kind of swimming, you know, on your own. But once other people start to buy in, then you, you gain even more confidence. And even though I wasn't the best player there, um, just being just getting more training from the coaches and all of that helped me to be a better player in the long run. Uh, because in sports, there's a lot of repetition that needs to take place. You can understand a concept, but until you've done it a thousand times, it doesn't really stick. And so, um, I don't know. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Um so Izzy, what was your defining moment that helps you totally agree? I feel like Joe and I are very similar types of people. So perhaps that's why we found ourselves in similar situations um, in our in our sports life. So I uh, fell in love with volleyball in sixth grade. And I got good really quickly. I found myself on lots of teams where I was the best player just because I loved it so much. And where there was lack of technique, I was really, really excited to learn better technique. So I feel like I was just really a lot more motivated than a lot of my peers. And so often it would bother me, you know, internally that not everyone cared as much as I did. Like even the other teams in my league, I grew up in a very small high school and the level of play was fairly low because we were only 1A. Um, still good competition, but nowhere near what I could have handled, like I, the competition I was hungry for. When I was a senior, we got into regionals, and we went to, uh, what do you call it, Silverton for regionals, and we played a team that was very, very good, very high level of play, club level, I would say. And I had played club in high school a little bit, but I had to stop at some point, um, because it was very expensive and too far for my parents to drive at the time. But anyway, I got into this game and we were losing because our team had injuries and there weren't, our team just kind of started to give up hope. And for some reason, I just kind of decided to detach from my team and my, what I would call like my worth that I had set up based on that team. 
and I became like this player I never knew I was. Someone set me a ball, I remember, and just crushed it like just a little bit further than the 10 foot line. And I was like, oh my gosh, who came out of me just now? Like, where is that player? And how have I never seen her before? And how can I make her come out more? And since that day, I've always wanted to get back to that level of play. Like, this is who I know I can be and who I know I am. But I just hadn't had that, hadn't had opportunities to have that pulled out of me because I'd had other just teams with lower expectations or players who didn't care as much, players who didn't love the game as much, players and coaches who couldn't, didn't groom me the way I could have been groomed, I guess, to be a really amazing player. And so when I met you guys, <laughs> I felt like for the first time I was playing at a level of play that could satiate my drive for volleyball. It was really, really cool to join the island in general and just be able to play with a bunch of really high-level players because that just wasn't my experience in high school. It was like every single team I was on was just SHIT, and I was like, oh, this is as good as it's ever going to be, and my role on those teams was pretty much solely to pump everybody up. Like, that was my... That was what I was known for, just keeping the hype and, you know, Izzy's the positive one. But really, I was like, I wanted to be the competitive one and I wanted to be the one who was learning all of the good technique and playing at that club level. Um, But I never got to until I became an adult. And it's funny, I actually used to think that all of the adult volleyball leagues were terrible. (laughs) And that's what stopped me from um, becoming a volleyball player after I graduated high school and college. Because I was like, oh, anyone who doesn't play in college isn't Just worth- beer league and they're yeah. one over slaps the whole time. Yeah, Sweet. exactly. Sweetheart, you and I did that rotating women's doubles league and every other single one of those women played in college and you and I held our own. I know. That's what's amazing. It's like the volleyball community outside of, you know, organized education is still amazing. Like there's still people who love volleyball so much. I just didn't think you could still play sports as an adult. That was just like a <laughs> dumb belief that my 18 year old self had. Don't tell that to Mike Tyson or Evander Holyfield right now, former heavyweight champion boxers who are probably in like mid fifties, almost sixties. And they, they could still beat the crap out of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just, they kept going at it. Like the thing is like in an interview, Evander Holyfield, they were, Someone asked, "Why? what have you been doing? How'd you get back in shape? And he just said, I never got out of shape ever since I was a prize fighter. Like, never, never let it go. So that's yeah. just silly. Adults I, can totally ball out still. I mean, totally. Look, look at Tom Brady. Oh, still my God. It. Please He's amazing. retire. <laughs> this is, he needs to retire. We all thought he was for a while. He, I, then he came pers- back. He, he fake retired. He just has too much pride and ego. <laughs> I think he just saw that he would have had to, like, spend time with the kids. And then he's just like, screw this. I'm going back to play. I'd rather have 300-pound sweaty men tackle me right now. I don't blame him. <laughs> um, but anyway, did that make sense? No, I think it makes perfect sense of wanting to have that nature of competitiveness. I want to be around those who feel have are like-minded, yeah. Yeah, who lift me up like you yeah, guys. Yeah, of course. Make me better. I, I'll just say this briefly. In high school, there was a coaching change in my cross-country team, and a lot of people liked the old coach. Me and my buddies wanted the newer coach because it would be for that reason of he was more competitive. He drew the most out of us. The other coach was more of just a social run, fun club, 
And that's great if you want to do that, but if you want to win, we wanted this other coach, and it caused a rift on the team. No. Because there was us that were wanting to push and win, and the others didn't feel as strongly about that. And it's like, you can go have – nobody's saying you can't just go run for fun and have a nice social club, but I'm here to win. To me, winning is fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like seeing how um, your potential is fun. Mm-hmm. And I think – all of us who, because even the fact that we're in, still in sports says something about that. Like Alyssa was telling me the other day, it's not fun if you don't know that you're progressing a little mm. bit every time. Well, I mean, I think if you're not progressing, what's the point? Um, at least in my opinion, I, that's what drives me about rock climbing, volleyball. Um, you know, if you want to plateau out and just hang where you are, that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, but uh, for me, I'd, I want to keep getting better and, even as I get older, I still want to be the best of my age. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of runners keep that mentality as well as they have different brackets for you know, different yeah, it's age like At least I, w- I still want to roll a fast 5K and maybe win my age group. I'm not going to beat the CU kids because that's one of the best NCAA D- Division One running schools in the country. I can't hang with them, but I could hopefully beat other 30 to 35-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing I, I hope that people get out of this is that um, – so, you know, and some of our other ones, we talked about sport climbers, professional climbers, professional athletes, and I think you should aspire to be as great as them, but will you be as great as them? Maybe not, but I think that you can aspire to be the greatest version of yourself that's possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that sports can help draw that out of you. Yeah, Aim high and achieve high. And I think that the competition of that helps propel that. And I know that there are definitely people who are not competitive in nature, But I think that there is some innate human drive to be good at things. And there is some innate human drive to have value in the things that you enjoy. Whether that's sports or not sports, I think that there is self-gratification in feeling like you're accomplished at something. And I think sports is one way to channel that for me personally when it comes to one of my defining moments. It's not a good moment. It's actually a moment where I felt really, really terrible. On the complete opposite end of Izzy, I actually played in a 5A school. I started playing volleyball when I was 14, which is way past when most start playing. I had a friend who told me, I'm going to try out for the volleyball team. And she's like, you want to try out with me? And I said, sure. And I think I took two camps over that summer before I tried out. And in high school, they have a freshman team, a sophomore team, and then a junior team, which is junior varsity, and then a varsity team, which is typically a senior team. Because we were a 5A school, the rule was, depending on your grade, you couldn't make a lower team. So if you were a junior in high school, if you were terrible, you got cut. And going into my junior year, I was coming off of my first year of club sports. We had gotten a new coach that year, and she said, if you don't play club volleyball, you will not make my teams period. She was a very competitive coach. She wanted the best team that she could get. So I went back and I said, I want to play club that year. And my parents were like, okay. (laughs) And club teams have an A team and a B team or an A, B, C team. It was a brand new club. So I made an A team. We did phenomenal in club. We were running things I'd never run before, different types of swings that I'd never learned before in high school. And Honestly, the difference between how I played in my sophomore team versus when I came back as a junior 
it was a night and day difference between how I was playing before versus how I was playing after. Because before I was just kind of like, this was a thing that I did because my friend had asked me to try it. But when I went to club, it was, I do this because I'm good at it and I like it. <laughs> and so when I came back, I felt that I had progressed so much. And I honestly was, have a very natural talent for the sport. And I had my sights on varsity because I was a junior. I had worked extremely hard over the club season. I had gone to all of the clinics. Um, this coach had also implemented that not only did you were you supposed to play club in your off season, you had to do so many extracurricular physical activities and you had to meet like a certain point per so everything had like a points system to it and you had to get so many points. And if you didn't reach that, you couldn't even try out. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. And so I had spent all this time making sure that I was physically in shape. I had, you know, done the work. I had learned new things. And I remember that we were in tryouts and this incoming freshman had played club for years. And so she had been in the scene when girls are supposed to or usually start in the sport. And there's me who had been playing for two years. And I remember that there was, I don't remember if it was an open gym or if it was during tryouts, but this is my, this is my moment that the coach said, you know, if I have to choose between two girls for varsity and one of them's a junior and one of them's a freshman and they're at the exact same level of play, I'm going to choose the freshman every time because she's going to have more years for me to mold. And she wasn't just talking hypothetical. She was talking about me and she picked the freshman for varsity. Wow. And I made JV that year. I was pissed. I was livid because I had busted my ass to be just as good as that in two years that this girl had to work for how many years for. And my junior ended up being a really good year in general for playing in high school because I think there was only one varsity game that year that I didn't play in. I lettered that year in varsity I played literally every game. I started on both teams that year. So you were a swing team that year. I was. I was a swinger that year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I swung that year. And <laughs> which, <laughs> which was great because I got a lot of playing time in. And when I went back to club between my junior and senior year, my club coach said, wow, she's even better than she was when she left, which speaks a lot to how much playing time I got. And so the next year we came back and I was a senior and – there were girls who had played on varsity who were seniors that year who had played on varsity for two years that she cut off the team and she kept me on. And so I, you know, I don't claim to say she was the best coach. I honestly didn't really enjoy her as a coach, but I was able to say that I worked really hard. I not ashamed that I played a, a freshman team, then the sophomore team, then the junior team, then the varsity team. I didn't, I'm not ashamed of that. Part of it was, you know, the personal competition with this other girl who now as I look back on, I feel like is a lot of internalized <laughs> things that I shouldn't be feeling about somebody else because she did deserve it. She was a really good player. Her personality I wasn't a huge fan of. <laughs> but as a player, she was a good player. She really, really was. And she did deserve it. But the thing was, is I also deserved it. And I think that there could have been, and obviously there was room because I swung, but I think that especially as coaches, you need to be a little bit more objective about how hard your players are working. That is one thing I would talk about is subjectivity. Johnny and I have talked about this a lot about 
sometimes if it's the coach's son or daughter, they kind of get this bias, biases towards that. Nepotism. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a direct, direct connection, but sometimes people, some some players just seem better or they the, coach, the coaches just like them better. It's kind of an odd phenomenon. Mm. But we need to hear from Johnny. Yes. He is. I mean, I, I feel like in a way – I have a couple of defining moments that led me down the track and field cross country route that all step a little bit from each, a little bit of things you've all said. I mean, a big part was coaching because my first love was basketball and like in third grade jumped in the YMCA leagues and it wasn't an underground church. league. It wasn't an underground <laughs> church league. It was just the YMCA that is all over the country. But, um, through that, I yeah, I loved basketball first. However, throughout grade school, I was the fast kid. I was the kid mm-hmm. that like, nobody wanted to be it during tag, during PE or recess. And so I was just a speedy kid. And any sport I played, I utilized my speed for sure. Even peewee soccer leagues, I would just kick the ball, go sprint after it, and outrun everybody to the ball. I didn't, it wasn't any fancy dribbling. I just booted it and ran after it. <laughs> I'm imagining this <laughs> child just, like, wailing the ball then. <laughs> With the mullet, too. <laughs> oh, Remember, you've seen pictures of my youthful mullet, so imagine getting embarrassed by getting whizzed by really quickly with a, a streaking hair blob <laughs> by you. Glowing gloriously in the air. I will say my, we we had a brief discussion, side note. My mullet was like an Obi-Wan Kenobi mullet, not a Joe Dirt mullet. It looked Mm. better than Joe, it wasn't Joe Dirt disgusting, but. Eh, Classy mullet. Anywho. So one of the first things that led me towards running and track and field was there used to be these little, they called them fun runs at a local junior high, parents and kids. You'd have your different age groups and you would, just run races around the track, just a kind of a fitness initiative sort of thing. And my parents took me to mind for the first time. I think I was second or third grade. And apparently there was a kid there that had never lost before huh? oh. until I showed up and <laughs> dusted him by about 40 yards and made him cry. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. Ouch. So that I was like, okay, I must be pretty good at this. Cause like I knew I felt like I was fast. Kind of how you were saying like you, Big Joe, you said you feel like in your mind you're good, but you need verification from an outside source from sure. other people to see, okay, that person's can jump really high. That kid's fast. So people saw how fast I was. So that was moment number one. Moment number two, kind of relating to coaching and everything, because I still played basketball, because even though I was fast at track and everything, I still loved basketball the most until about sophomore year. Kids, kids develop at different rates, and I was just still stayed smaller and didn't play. I, did, I was a bench warmer in junior high. A lot of those kids that started then got the attention of the high school coaches moving up forward because we won my seventh grade year. We won junior high state. It was a fun moment and had a lot of fun, but I was a bench warmer on that team. So that state championship team got a bias from the high school coaches. Like they're going to be the future of our varsity teams ongoing. Not taking into consideration that kids develop at different rates. And by the time we became sophomores and juniors, there were other kids who grew taller, bigger, faster, stronger. But they were so tunnel visioned on those kids who started in seventh and eighth grade that they were going to get all the playing time. Uh. And so I kind of found that out sophomore year, especially. I decided, like, well, I seem to be better at cross country and track. And it just doesn't seem like these coaches are going to budge in any way and be 
not saying I was the best player at the school, but I'm just saying I, me, other kids I knew that I felt were better than the guys getting the attention weren't getting the attention. So I was just like, forget this. Like <laughs> I'm going to do something that's way less political and something you can't argue. I'm faster than you. Wow, like you yeah. can look at the times you can't argue. So in cross country, it's top seven runners are varsity at a meet. The top five score points, your place is amount of points. You want the fewest amount of points. Obviously first place only gets one point, yada, yada, yada. But you can't argue if your kid's clearly 20 seconds faster in a three mile race than this kid. You can't complain about it. So it's true. So that was like, that was my sophomore year. I was fine. I finally decided and I had to kind of come to terms of my first love was basketball, but I don't think that's my path. Like, I think I'm just going to stick with running. And I still did under, I did have an underground school league, wasn't Mormon based or anything. Oh. Sorry, Joe, but. Should have joined us. Yeah, but I did. I did <laughs> that, and we had a we had a place for you at the church basketball league. You could have played in. Oh. <laughs> Would have been a bit of a commute from Illinois to Colorado, but worth it. Worth, worth it. it. So yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed playing basketball and ultimate on the side for fun, but which yeah. is also a lot of running. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the greatest uh, ultimate players, especially just if you're playing pickup, it, the cross country kids are the toughest people to guard because they just you just keep running until your defender is tired and then you go deep. I would almost say <laughs> that like ultimate is your perfect sport because you love disc golf mm. and you love running. Right. Yeah. If I wasn't getting a scholarship to run, I think I would have went to University of Illinois and tried out for their ultimate team because it's not through NCAA, but they still will travel and have an, uh, like an official college tournament and everything. But I'm sure that timeline is out there. I think obviously it would it would help if it gained more traction. Come on, mm -hmm. Olympics, bring it to the Olympics and other other things. But yeah, I mean, it was really just starting to pick up more mm -hmm. when I got into high school, and I'm sure it was around for you. But for us, it, now it's yeah. like I just didn't know of any like leagues or anything, and and I was so busy with running, and I and I loved being in running, and yeah, there were times that like my church would have a ski trip or something, and I wouldn't go because I couldn't risk getting injured because you're, you're always in cross country indoor outdoor track season. So it's like, I can't go on a ski trip in case I break a leg or something. There goes an entire season. So, so I never skied until I moved out here. So it took me about 29 years to ever ski for the first time, but I have no regrets at all. I mean, it, there's my best friends, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of great moments running. So I wouldn't trade it. I would also like to add that I had an amazing time on my high school teams and love the experiences and the team um, camaraderie that was created through that as well. Like, no, <laughs> not trying to diss my high school teams because it definitely added to my love for volleyball, the camaraderie that was built. Mm. How did you gain camaraderie um, in running compared to basketball? Yeah, I, I mean, cross-country, it's similar to climbing in a way that the, the spirit of how you want everyone to succeed is still there. Obviously, you want to be faster than the other person, but you want everyone to run well. Even as a spectator, you see people you know from other teams, and you root for them, too. Even though it's not like your school, you still – there's some of, my, some of my closest running friends went to other high schools – and when we step on the line, like we're mortal enemies, but then as soon as the race is done, we're laughing and like <laughs> hanging out. And to answer your question on like how I relate to my friends more in that regard, 
I know. I, I think it's just easier to get along with people in a world like cross country and track and field. Just less drama. Yeah, it just, it's less less drama. And that's totally, you got to be that kind of person who doesn't seek drama. And you, I, I guess I don't have an exact answer. It's just, I grew closer to those friends. And it's not why, I didn't run because of just friendship. I, but it just happened to be that my closer friends also preferred track and field. I think it's in a lot, in a lot of ways like, climbing Mm -hmm. because in the same way it's not really I mean it is you against somebody else in a competition in terms of you know how many attempts you take to top a problem but at the same time you're also doing it for yourself and I think that running is kind of the same way where you're doing it for yourself and really the only thing that you're trying I mean yes you're trying to beat the people next to you and climb or run faster Mm -hmm. but at the same time you're also trying to beat your own personal records. You're trying to climb better than you've climbed before, or you're trying to run faster than you've run before. And even if you don't climb better or run faster than the person next to you from the other school, if you beat your own time, you still feel some sort of satisfaction from that. If you still climb in less attempts than you had on a similar type problem before, you're still getting yourself better, even if you're not beating somebody else. I think there's some self-satisfaction and some self-growth that propels some of that camaraderie forward yeah i I I think if it's you're you're all trying to be your best then i think you grow together because you're all you're all focused on the same thing i want to run as fast as possible yeah we we all ran the hills together we all like something about running training i'm sure a lot of teams work out and bust their asses together, but something about running and just being out in the elements and charging up a hill together is just a bond unlike any other. Yeah. You're all focused on the same thing. Like you'll have the same goals. Yeah. And yeah, you want to be the fastest in the workout, but you also want to drag or pull the others along with you. And in my case, I was chasing my buddy, Corey was always like a step a year ahead of me and he was the stud on our team. And so I like, I want to chase him. A, because he's my friend, I don't want to be with him. B, he's making me better, and I want to catch him just, yeah, to be as good as I can be. So, And I, I would know. also say that can happen with team sports, which is what I was always yearning for. A team that had the same values and drive for competition that I did. And I think I've found that a lot with you guys and a lot with the people at the island. And I, I'm pretty sure that happens on in higher level volleyball, like Olympic level all of those girls and or men on those teams all have the same goal of I want to freaking win this <laughs> and nothing else, hopefully. Well, a lot has been discussed tonight, as we discuss a lot all the time. <laughs> and we thank you for listening. I know we said we were going to talk about favorite things about our current relationships, but uh, it's getting a little late. I got to tell you what time it is because it could be totally, as you're listening, it could be one in the afternoon and why would you be tired then? But that's not when it is here. <laughs> we want to wrap it up for now. I think we've talked enough at length. We'll talk more about our kind of defining moments in our relationships on the next episode of Spanking Rights. And before we tell you to turn off your phone or get out of your car and stop listening to the podcast, if they want to commune with us a little more, Alyssa, where might one find the Spanksters? Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok at Spanking Rights. Also, like and comment this podcast on Apple Music and on Spotify. Boost us so other people can listen to us so we can get more Spanksters 
in this round and we can just do like that SpongeBob episode where you have the spanking train. That's what we want. Let's spank this train. Let's spank this train <laughs> right out of the station. The, <laughs> all the virtual spanking lined up. We got a long line. We want we want the line as long as possible. We want to spank that like button. Spank that like button. Hey. <laughs> spank those we... keys for those comments. <laughs> No, okay. It didn't work right. as well. Right. <laughs> I still I, like the effort. I love your effort, and we all love you for listening to us, so thank you. We will be in touch very, very soon. And uh, ladies, is, why don't you sign us off? This, this is, is Team, Team Tango, Tango signing, signing off. off.